Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the Woodwork Podcast brought to you by Simon Studios, where we sit with creative and business-minded people and talk about their craft. And today we're here with the Simon Studios crew. We've got Ethel, Micah, Elaine, and I'm Mark. And today we'll be talking about DIY culture and how that affects our work as designers. Uh, So let's just start with what DIY is. What is DIY? DIY stands for do-it-yourself. I'm sure you've seen it a lot on Pinterest, uh, HGTV. They even they even dedicated a whole show on Netflix to do-it-yourself culture. So basically, uh, I think throughout history, it was mainly a thing that people did for like home building and home construction and maintenance and just uh, cutting the cost of you know, bringing in a plumber or a mechanic and trying to like literally do it yourself. Um, But we are talking about it more in the, in the vein of design work and also using it in business. So um, what are some examples? I guess we can do some fun ones. What are some examples of DIY that works and some that just totally fails? So the first thing I think of is nailed it. So people who (laughs) have baked like Pillsbury cookies once in their life, go on this crazy baking show and try to copy this huge like cake model uh, with all these intricate details and it looks terrible every time. And this is on (laughs) Netflix? That's the baking show, right? Yeah. But do do they have to make their own version of it or do they have to make it like congruent? They have to make the same thing. Oh. So <laughs> it's easy to see how much they failed. Like it's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, okay. And do they like they do like a like a one, two, three reveal? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> the host always has some snarky comments. Mm-hmm. Like, oh that's <laughs> Um, uh, another one that was brought up, uh, was makeup. Uh, I think, I think this can be an example of <laughs> DIY that, that can really work because, I mean, cause yeah. ladies and you know, a lot of men now they, they do their own makeup mm-hmm. and that's just a, that's stand, a standard thing, but, um, it can also be a fail that needs professional help. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so you've, you've seen it. We don't need to try to think of any <laughs> <laughs> examples because that would be really offensive but uh one that that was pretty personal to me was uh i had uh, a couple months ago some water damage at my house hmm. and i needed to like, like redo my kitchen and redo one of my bathrooms and so i i youtubed how to install a toilet mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe this is just something that a man is just supposed to know already um, but I DIY'd it. I went on YouTube and it kind of showed me how to, you know, put that little wax ring and then put the toilet on and it was fairly easy and it works fine. It's not leaking. Huh. That worked. Mm-hmm. And I got an Ikea kitchen. So, um, that's a super DIY. You just get it and you just build it yourself and mm-hmm. you install it. But I think if I DIY'd like the water damage and like trying to fix mm-hmm. what was behind the walls, I probably would have created another leak mm-hmm. and... Yeah, that that would have been a disaster. So yeah, that's an example of just one in my life that DIY worked really well, mm-hmm. and it would have failed if I tried to do it myself. So um, also, uh, we we're also talking about uh, amateur music videos. Yeah, 
well, it's kind of turned into memes, but uh, I can just think of a couple of rap videos that, you know, if it was done professionally, it, it would be all right. I mean, it'd be, I would say if you use it, if you made a music video with your new phone, like an iPhone 11 or a Pixel, it would look all right. Mm-hmm. And if you knew what you were doing. Mm-hmm. But I've seen some, <laughs> I mean, it's okay. pretty bad. They're going to look okay because of the quality, the quality of the phone. But they're still not going to look okay because it didn't have good creative direction or it didn't have the process of the different shots that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. See, that's so, a good point. Which so is... the quality of the video will be good. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> but the quality of production won't. <laughs> there you go. The, pro- the yeah. quality which is... of production won't be. They're like Apple commercials <laughs> that are shot on... And I, on yeah, the that's, uh-huh. and that's a hashtag. And they're really shot good. on iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a really good point, which is basically the meat of what we're talking about uh, as designers. But there's also, you know, there there are things that thrive on DIY, like uh, mm. like TikTok. Yes. Like if you make a music video on TikTok, you're that's expected to be like DIY. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be suspect if it was like a like a fully like what is this budgeted production doing? yeah advertising yeah. On this isn't real. tiktok app <laughs> yeah so um yeah so that thrives on diy and you can really see some really funny things on tiktok so stupid but uh what is the difference uh we'll we'll talk about uh design now what's the difference between a professional and an amateur who just happens to have a lot of technology mm. As a music producer, so I went to ODU for music production. Uh, I, I learned a lot in, in my classes, and I was able to learn with a community and get some help from experts. But since then, since I graduated, there has been a lot of different apps and DAWs, DAWs, that uh, have made it really easy for someone to make music. Like you can literally hold down one key and then it'll play a melody or a whole percussion section. Mm-hmm. Or you can just click and drag a whole bunch of different samples together mm-hmm. and you can make you can make a song. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that there is a difference in what I would know versus what someone who is just buying that package mm-hmm. or just opening that package for the first time and just playing with it. But what is the, I guess, the the graphic design or photography equivalent of that? The design equivalent would be someone who has just Photoshop and uses Photoshop to make their flyer or whatever. Um, The difference between a pro and someone who just has the technology would be a professional knows how to use those programs for their intended purpose. So someone in the design world, or claims to be, um, they would have Photoshop and use it to create their layouts, but really Photoshop isn't used to do those things. There are other programs that do those things better. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a, a graphic designer, but I have access to that. The, what is that thing we have? The Adobe, there's this app that I, that I have access to that you gave me in its uh spark yep yep <laughs> adobe spark and uh like i it's go cool on app. it I, I play with it and so i get like a, i'll get like a um like a stock photo of of something of like a know, like a mountain or something like that. <laughs> and i would like just put some text on it and there are so many options and like i don't really know what i'm doing and and so i'll just like 
you know, write some text, slap a border on there, put some, um, like change the font, change the colors. What am I doing there? Like, what am I missing there? Because it's very templated, right? Mm -hmm. Like I could just choose from a whole bunch of fonts, choose from set colors because they like they should just the font colors based on what the what the photo Mm -hmm. is. So I just choose. Oh, this I guess looks fine, but I I don't know how to like make it so that it looks like something that you guys make. So what am I missing there? (laughs) I actually really like that app, but I do think that. Because I have training as a designer versus if I'm using it versus someone like you, Mark, who doesn't have a training in design, it'll probably take you 30 minutes to create one post versus it'll probably take me five minutes. Like you said, it's templated, but there's also that aspect of that app where you can customize it to somebody's brand so you can upload stuff, your colors, your fonts, Mm. and everything else. So for me... I literally use it for, it's more of like a tool for after the process is already done. When I say process for us in Simon Studios, we go through the branding process of, you know, like creating all of that stuff for our clients. So after all of that's done, I upload it to that app and everything's available for me. So now all I have to do is put it together. So it's a very, very quick way to create something, but we've created a lot of the work beforehand. Mm. So it's just one of those tools. Yeah, there are a lot that, of little details that mm-hmm. the typical person will miss yeah. that a designer would. Yeah, definitely mm. that, like spacing issues and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, like I said, like I feel like Spark or any type of app that allows you to I guess your different elements together is something that we recommend for our clients to use after we've created um, their brain book. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about formal training and also uh, personal experience, the advantages and disadvantages that come from it. Uh, so what is gained during formal training, or whether it's school or whether it's just being an apprentice to an expert or a professional? For me, one thing I learned is how to how to diagnose things, but also like I guess like a graphic designer go through the process in a way that saves a lot of time. Mm. I don't need to fiddle around. I don't need to. I don't have to do trial and error. I'll know. Okay, I'll listen to a track. Let's mm. say let's say as a snare drum track. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to the snare drum and be like, oh, okay, I know exactly what's going on here. Uh, there's an annoying pang in it. It has a lot of overtones or there is, um, there's not a lot of high end in it. And so I'll know, okay, I need to use an EQ here. I need to manipulate it in, in a way that'll, you know, make it sound nice and crisp. I need to put some compression on it. And so I can do that quickly instead of just like dragging and dropping a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. plugins and just think, oh, nah, that doesn't work. I don't know why. Would you say that's the same for, for designers? One of the things that happened recently with a client was, so they did, I forgot what type of layout, I think it was for a flyer, and they exported it as a PDF, and once they got to the printer, all the fonts dropped out, and, you know, they they tried to figure out what was going on for, I want to say, like an hour on their own, and when they called me, I was like, oh, it's probably because your fonts were not outlined 
And if it's not outlined, unless the other computer has the fonts, it's going to drop out. Mm. You know, so those are things that I guess you learn in, you know, if you have proper training, you immediately know how to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, why waste time, you know, spending hours trying to figure it out when you can have a professional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like an IT guy saying, did you unplug it and plug it back in? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I know you guys, you guys do a lot of, you guys do a lot of actual meaningful work, but that is a, that is an easy fix. I mean, obviously my example is like super like tiny, but that's just like the most recent thing that happened. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is that sort of stuff just comes naturally to us. Mm -hmm. It's not something that, we don't even have to think about it. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to waste time, and time is money. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing I did learn from formal training is, again, the process and getting through all those bad ideas yeah. in order to only use the good ones. Um, and I think sometimes people think that all their ideas are good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, There's precision to it. Without really having to think too long, you know exactly what it's going to look like. And so, and you know exactly how to get there. Mm-hmm. So all you do yes. is just hop in the car and drive over there. You don't need to stop and ask for directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't need to, you know, get out and, and see if you are like in the right area. <laughs> I'm taking this illustration a little too far. Um, <laughs> Uh, another thing is uh, th- just the nuances as well. I think, I think I would imagine if you go on a website and just say build a logo, <laughs> there's not a lot of customizable options for you to make something that is, that's going to distinguish yourself from another company. There is a chance that somebody else made the exact same logo as you. So for me, let's say it's a recording of a acoustic guitar. I'm able to know nuances based on what I'm listening to. But I think as an amateur or as someone who doesn't have that experience or that formal training, they're just going to take a, a preset of, let's say, of an EQ. They're going to take just the preset and just going to f- drop down and, and find, oh, acoustic guitar EQ. I'm just going to click that. But what they don't understand is the sound of an acoustic guitar can change drastically based on where you put the microphone when you recorded it, what you were playing, were you finger picking, were you strumming, uh, how far were you from, from the mic, what kind of mic were you using, what room were you in. And so that, those things are going to affect how you manipulate that plugin, how you manipulate the EQ or maybe even the reverb. So like... So like that nuance, you really can't catch it unless you had that formal training. Uh, another thing that uh, Ethel that you talked about was uh, the business behind design. Yes. That there is like a certain I don't know. There's this. There's a difference between like what a designer is and what an artist is. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. So the difference between a designer and artist. Um, as a designer, it's important for us to know where the design is going. So what I mean by that is when we're designing for a client, it's important to know that we're not really satisfying our own desires. And again, it's all about the real creative director is your client and knowing where the design is going, whether it's going to go on a car or a simple paper or it's going to go on a building, that will really, really um, affect how you design. 
you know, and, and as an artist, I design for myself. I mean, I can put texture on there and I can do whatever I want because it's for me. Um, and I know, you know, and then I know where it's going because it's for me. Mm-hmm. So I think knowing the difference between those two um, is important. And, and, and what about uh, personal experience? Because I think what DIY starts as is um, really not being formally trained. Mm-hmm. But I think as a designer, if you want to turn that DIY into an actual vocation, then formal training isn't necessarily a requirement, mm-hmm. but personal experience can really get you really far and, and make you really successful. So like, what is gained during personal experience? I think uh, for me, I started off honestly as an artist as far as music composition is concerned. Whenever I would make music, the music that I made was mostly for myself. Uh, Like I know how to edit it. I know how to mix it and master it. But when I'm creating music, I created it for myself. And so when uh, I started creating tracks for companies, I had to lean on my personal experience. And so for me, the, the right mistakes were made uh, with personal experience, I'm able to clean up the process because uh, I had to convert from being an artist to a designer. I would create something for this certain, I don't know, a TV spot or a, a, an ad, and they would listen to it and be like, "Uh, that's not quite what I was thinking for the mo- like for the tone of this ad." And can you change it up? And so it, I was able to make those mistakes and, and fix them quickly so that I would know like what the clients are asking for. Once I got into the working design world, I learned how to, or I had to learn how to interact with clients. So in school, your only client is really your instructor mm. and... Your judgmental classmates. Um, Well, the difference between an instructor and a client is that an instructor knows design. They know how to communicate what Mm, they want. And clients, the reason why they hire us is because they need something that they know they can't do. Mm. Um, But sometimes when they try to communicate what they're envisioning, they can't necessarily put it into the right words. Yep. So part of being a designer is trying to figure out or trying to read between the lines, really, and figure out what they need. And learning how to be flexible. Mm. We try to stay on track. You know, like, again, in school, you have deadlines, um, and it's pretty clear because it's in your syllabus. You know, the professor tells you you have to turn it in and do this and do that. But with clients... It's a roller coaster, and you have to be flexible, and you really need to, like what Mike was saying, um, you need to know your clients, um, and that's really huge for us here at Simon Studios. When we get to know our clients, it's like a two-hour comprehensive <laughs> meeting yeah. mm-hmm. and weeks of research um, and really trying to immerse ourselves um, into the industry of our client, um, really getting to know them. Yeah, because sometimes they'll communicate what they want in a design. Mm-hmm but it's not enough information. So you have to go back to, oh yeah, they, they like listening to this music or they, yeah. mm-hmm. they really like this food or yep. they really <laughs> the fun ones. like this color or they work this profession yeah. for how many years. Um, so having that sort of information is yep. actually very helpful because yeah. they're 
are things about the client that they might not necessarily say in words. Right, yeah. And you just associate it with the culture that they're in. Mm -hmm. It's like psychology. You have to like put it in. It is. Freudian stuff. (laughs) It's not as easy as the the apps and the websites are, are trying to make it. So how then can an aspiring designer get started and also gain respect if they aren't formally trained? For me, I was kind of a self-taught photographer and I didn't really like go to school for it, but it was something I kind of fell into and fell in love with. For someone who was starting out in the beginning, you really have to immerse yourself in a community of your trade. For me, it was having another avenue of practicing my craft um, through family photography and um, weddings and also just talking photography with other people who also love it just as much as I do. Mm. And then also just not stopping, like keep practicing, keep learning. And really, you're just going to find yourself uh, just amongst the people that you were looking up to. Mm. Uh, One thing I wanted to say was uh, to have confidence Because I think if you're starting out, there's going to be a lot of mistakes that you're going to make. And there's going to be a lot of opinions that people might have that aren't going to go your way. And so uh, I think if you have confidence, you're able to keep on doing the work that you're doing and also do it your way instead of like basically trying to be the exact replica of another artist. Mm. Also, uh, though you should have confidence, don't have hubris because I I think that goes along with like keeping your practice and keeping your learning up because if you don't put in the time and you just have like one or two successes in the beginning, don't just stop there and be Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm a producer, you know, like I'm a, (laughs) I'm a designer just because you finally put out your first project doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden like a coveted designer that mm-hmm. people want to just are flocking to work with. So yeah. I think about those artists in the nineties. Sorry. That was my, that was my decade <laughs> that they only had like one song. I'm like trying one to hit a, wonders. Yeah. And I, I think about design a lot too. Um, whenever I think about stuff like that and I think, um, as a branding studio, for us, what's really important is sustainability. And, and that's why, like, we care so much about a company's foundation and, like, building something that's going to last you years versus those one-offs. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, if you're starting out, I think that's something that you have to do for yourself. Once you decide what you want to do, you're just going to have to go for that. Don't stop. I mean, I feel like I just started like whatever we're doing here. <laughs> so there's so much to learn. There's so many people to meet. Um, so yeah. And I think, oh, oh go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the more that you practice, um, the more you can find your own style. Cause of course, like what we were saying earlier, that it's easy to duplicate what everyone else is doing. Mm. That can be your base, but then the more you practice your craft, then the more, you can find your own unique look or style that you can also be flexible with when it comes to like dealing with clients. Yeah. Keeps you from being a poor man's, poor man's blank. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about 
how DIY culture affects companies uh, because branding design is a big part of a company's of a company's uh, marketability. Uh, really, it it's really tied to their success. So, what are the effects of good quality design that costs a little more versus poor quality design that is just conveniently cheaper? I think some I think some positives. Uh, off the bat would be cutting cost, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're starting out. Uh, money saved can be used for other aspects of your business. And also, uh, we, Ethel, you talked about a little bit with uh, just, especially with temporary work, yeah. temporary designs. You can, you can get away with the compromised or um, like improvised work. Like you can get away with that. But what you said earlier Ethel, was that your main branding, your foundational branding, is the thing that is going to last. Yes. All right, here. It's going to sound harsh, but I am a firm believer that if you are truly passionate about the business that you're starting, you're going to put money in it. Um, And you're going to care about the foundation of what you're building, branding. And I'm not just talking about visuals. I'm talking about your entire branding. We can talk about your voice, the music, everything that goes within that, the people that you hire, um, your ambassadors. And that's something that obviously you build throughout the years. But it, it, there's value in investing in the things that people are going to see. Yes. Um, I mean, of course, it's not just a, about a logo. Mm-hmm. Um, not at all investing in you know the experience that you're giving them so whatever visual experience whatever customer experience um, whatever your product is it's worth investing into good quality Mm -hmm. yes so i recently watched the imagineering documentary on imagineering story documentary on disney plus and you can tell how much these people know what they're doing. Um, And there's a reason why these experts come in to work for Disney and Mm -hmm. build this world. And there's certainly value in knowing what you're doing Mm -hmm. uh, to get the best possible product. Um, So when you, if Disney, they skimped out on the engineering of a ride, you you would tell. Um, Or if Disney skimped out on scoring for a movie oh yeah (laughs) like like the the recorder with the with jurassic park or like the titanic yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah they use the recorder oh my gosh that's so funny but yeah yeah, if you if you cut costs in just one thing the yeah the cohesiveness of your brand Mm -hmm. basically is at stake yeah so what we're trying to say is not, we're not saying like, oh my gosh, spend all your money on us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or go all out or, like yeah, Disney World. <laughs> there's like things that you can cut cost on. You know, we're talking about like if some, it's temporary designs that you know you're only going to use this month or this week or some, some And now with the social media world, uh, most of these stuff, you only need it for a day. Yeah, And these are the things that, yeah, don't spend all your money hiring somebody to manage your social media. And I've seen a lot of um, contracts out there, and they're ridiculous. I'm like, wow. 
<laughs> that much. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. And maybe because like, you know, we do it too, but at the same time, it's like, wow, this is a really expensive. I say, put that money on something that you know, that's going to last mm-hmm. years. Cause like five years from now, who even knows where social media is going, where mm-hmm. technology is yeah. going, but no one can touch your, the foundation of your branding. Mm-hmm. So that's really something that you shouldn't um, cut cost on. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, not investing in quality design, it can really d- deter trust. And so if you, so kind of going off of what you're talking about, Ethel, like if you just say, okay, for my website, let's say I'm a clinic, I'm a dental practice or a doctor, this website is something that our potential clients are going to go to to see if we're legit. And so if you have a web design that is not very trustworthy, a lot of them may not trust you as a practice. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who was um, buying a, a pulpit for our church. and <laughs> we, we Googled it and we went to this website and my friend was like, oh, I'm not sure if this is a legit website. I'm not sure if I spend this, I'm going to get what's pictured. Mm. Mm. And you'll, you'll find a lot of those websites. Yes. Websites on like Facebook, they're saying like, okay, buy these jerseys for like six bucks. <laughs> or, or like if you buy, uh, I had to buy a trophy. Uh, and those are <laughs> like infamously like kind of bad web designs. But I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get like a, a nice trophy or just something that I could could have just gotten at Dollar Tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, I, I think it's important for your marketing to have good design in the places that matter most because you don't want to d- deter your trust and you don't want to be seen uh, as a practice does, that doesn't have the authority. It, it's, a, it's a wise marketing decision to think about your branding and your design work. Uh, just to close it, um, I just I guess the last thing we can answer is, what is the value of using a designer or a branding studio, such as Simon Studios, for a company's design work? You're pretty much going to get a team of ambassadors for your brand. Um, and when I say ambassador, you know, um, we're going to learn everything that we can to make sure that your brand stays strong. Um, We're going to make sure that it's sustained. We're going to make sure that we do our research and we align you with the right people. Like think of an athlete, I guess, Um, you know, when they're an ambassador for a brand like LeBron James, Nike, like he's going to make sure that, you know, he he performs well for for the brand. Um, And then there's customized work involved. So it's not just your regular, I guess, agency where, you know, like for the most part now, like a lot of people, they can just go online and get something, you know, done. Like for us, the personal touch is very, very important. And I truly believe that we're not able to do our job well unless we have a good relationship with our clients. Yeah, I was going to say that, that we're not just working for you, we're working with you. Yeah. Yeah, so that's us, Simon Studios. Um, uh, That's our time for this episode. Thanks for listening. We are definitely looking forward to sharing more ideas and the people behind them. So 
And for more about The Woodwork Podcast, you can visit thewoodwork.studio and also check out Simon Studios at our website, simonstudios.com. And follow us on Instagram, that's at simonstudios underscore, and get connected with us. And from Ethel, Elaine, Micah, and myself, this has been The Woodwork Podcast. Thank you.